0: hello again friends pastor lowell here this is number 25 in our return to rome series we want to start with a prayer heavenly father we ask as we meditate upon your word and how to understand your word and interpret your word that you would guide our thoughts bless our listeners in jesus name amen Section 5, Return to Rome, A Common Enemy, When God's People Are Hated. Back in 1995, at the General Conference session, they were discussing the issue of w- women in ministry. And William Johnson, reporting on that discussion in the Adventist Review, July 7, 1995, he said, quote, two Adventist scholars approach the scriptures in different ways. One based his case on specific verses and statements of Ellen White, arguing from a literalistic basis. We would call that a fundamentalist basis. The other, in terms of the principles behind the statements, we would call that a relativist basis. And just to remind us, fundamentalism, the dictionary says, is a form of a religion especially Islam or Protestant Christianity, that upholds belief in the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture. And Pope Francis, back in 2014, said, A fundamentalist group, even if it kills no one, even if it strikes no one, is violent. The mental structure of fundamentalism is violence in the name of God. End of quote. So if you believe in the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture, then he says you are a fundamentalist. You have the mental structure of fundamentalism. William Johnson, in 1995, reporting on the discussion on women's ordination, said in the Adventist Review, quote, Adventists will have to wrestle with this most basic concern. How shall we interpret Scripture? End of quote. And we thankfully we have a whole Sabbath school lesson discussing that question. Steps to Christ page 109 and 110 says God desires man to exercise his reasoning powers. And the study of the Bible will strengthen and elevate the mind as no other study can. Yet we are to beware of deifying reason which is subject to the weakness and infirmity of humanity. If we would not have the Scriptures clouded to our understanding, so that the plainest truths shall not be comprehended, we must have the simplicity and faith of a little child, ready to learn, and beseeching the aid of the Holy Spirit. A sense of the power and wisdom of God, and of our inability to comprehend His greatness, should inspire us with humility, and we should open His Word as we would enter His presence, with holy awe. When we come to the Bible, reason must acknowledge an authority superior to itself, and heart and intellect must bow to the great I Am. There are many things apparently difficult or obscure which God will make plain and simple to those who thus seek an understanding of them. But without the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we shall be continually liable to rest. That means to twist the scriptures or to misinterpret them. I'm reading Steps to Christ, page 110. Continuing, it says there is much Note that word, much. There is much reading of the Bible that is without profit, and in many cases, a positive injury. When the Word of God is opened without reverence and without prayer, when the thoughts and affections are not fixed upon God or in harmony with His will, the mind is clouded with doubt. And in the very study of the Bible, skepticism strengthens. That's amazing, friends. You can actually strengthen skepticism. You can strengthen your doubts by reading the Bible if you do it without reverence and without prayer. I'm reading on. Steps to Christ, page 110. says the enemy, that's the devil, the enemy takes control of the thoughts and he suggests interpretations that are not correct. Imagine having the devil as your Bible instructor. That would obviously lead you to the wrong conclusions on a host of things. Reading on, Steps to Christ says, Whenever men are not in word and deed seeking to be in harmony with God, then, however learned they may be, they are liable to err in their understanding of Scripture, and it is not safe to trust their explanations. End of quote. Let the Bible speak. So, we come to the question, how shall we interpret the Bible? In the history of biblical interpretation, four major types of hermeneutics have emerged. the literal, moral, allegorical, and anagogical. Those are the four types of hermeneutics, and we're going to look at each of these. And we will apply each of these to the Sabbath commandment and see what we get. Let's start with number one, the literal interpretation, which asserts that a biblical text is to be interpreted according to the plain meaning conveyed by its grammatical construction and historical context. The literal meaning is held to correspond to the intention of the authors. The primacy of the literal sense was advocated by Martin Luther and John Calvin, along with a host of other reformers. In fact, virtually all the reformers interpreted scripture based on the literal method of interpretation. Also, our Adventist pioneers use that method of interpretation of scripture. Taking the Sabbath commandment, when God said, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, using the literal method of interpreting, interpreting the scriptures, We understand that we are to set aside the literal seventh day of the week, Saturday, for rest and worship as God's holy day of rest, as God himself commanded in his word. That's where the literal interpretation of scripture will take you. The second method of interpreting scripture is the moral interpretation or ethical. Sometimes it's called the ethical interpretation of scripture which seeks to establish exegetical principles by which ethical lessons may be drawn from the various parts of the Bible. In other words, we're sort of reading between the lines. Not so much what the Bible literally says, but what it means in the daily life. We're looking for the principles, like William Johnson mentioned in the Review and Herald. So... Taking the Sabbath commandment, when God said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Using the moral or ethical method of interpreting Scripture, we look for the principle behind the Sabbath commandment, which is to rest in God and in the gift of salvation through Christ's death on the cross. Since Christ made the atonement for our sins by his death, and since we cannot add to that merit, by anything that we do, the Sabbath as a literal day of worship is unimportant. Therefore, we can rest according to the fourth commandment any day or, or every day of the week or whichever day is appropriate to our culture or context. I want to say right here, I disagree with this theological conclusion but I'm simply showing where the moral or ethical interpretation of Scripture will take you. That's what you get when you interpret Scripture from the moral or ethical method. The third method of interpreting the Bible is the allegorical or symbolic interpretation. The allegorical interprets the Bible narratives as having a second level of reference beyond those persons, things, and events explicitly mentioned in the text that's sort of like the sim it's referred to as the symbolic interpretation so using our our illustration the sabbath when god said remember the sabbath day to keep it holy the seventh day is the sabbath of the lord thy god using the allegorical method of interpretation we look for what the sabbath commandment symbolizes The symbolic meaning of the Sabbath would, of course, depend on the particular scholar or pastor that we are following or on our own inspiration of the moment. The end result of this method of interpretation is a Sabbath rest that changes as quickly and as easily as the wind. Today, the Sabbath rest could symbolize the millennial rest of the saints in heaven. Tomorrow it might symbolize the sleep of death when we rest from our labors. And again, I want to make it very clear, I disagree with this theological conclusion. But I'm simply showing you where the allegorical or the symbolic method of interpreting Scripture will take you. Let's come to our fourth method of interpreting Scripture. That's the anagogical or mystical interpretation which seeks to explain biblical events as they relate to or prefigure the life to come. So, using our illustration of the Sabbath, when God said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Using the anagogical method of interpretation, we look for what the Sabbath commandment prefigures in the future life. Therefore, the fourth commandment in its mystical or anagogical meaning refers to the rest from the labors and trials of earth when we get to heaven. <clears throat> now, again, I want to clarify, I disagree with this, uh, the, this theological interpretation of Scripture. But I'm simply showing you where that method of interpreting the Bible will take you. So when you look at these four methods, the literal, ethical, symbolic... Mystical. Only the literal interpretation of scripture supports the Adventist doctrine of keeping Saturday as a day of rest in worship. And I want to add to that, we must use the same literal interpretation of scripture for all other Bible doctrines or truths, including the role of women in ministry. What does the Bible actually say? What it says, literally, is what we must accept, not try to explain it away based on, well, principles or our culture. We really interpret the Bible literally as Seventh-day Adventists, or I should say we should interpret the Bible literally. That's fundamentalism. Fundamentalism is a form of a religion, especially Islam or Protestant Christianity, that upholds belief in the strict Literal interpretation of scripture. We are fundamentalists. How do you interpret the Bible? Number one, let the, read the context. Number two, let the Bible interpret itself. And number three, we compare scripture with scripture to understand scripture. And that is why Ellen White says, be careful. Christ triumphant page 153. Be careful how you interpret scripture. Read it with a heart open to the entrance of God's word, and it will express heaven's light, giving understanding unto the simple. So, question. What does the Bible actually say about the role of women in ministry? Can they be given a headship role in the church? Can we ordain them to be the senior pastor of a church? Would they qualify, biblically, to be the next conference president? We will answer that question next time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the Bible, which is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Help us to accept its literal truths. And we pray that you would help us not to be shaken in our belief, in your literal word. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. From Pastor Lowell here, I say to you, God be with you until we meet again.